All right, welcome back to the AI Podcast, week 70. It's been a month since we've been with you, but we're getting ready to get things up and going. Uh, This is Austin Coates, live in Kansas City, Missouri. Isaiah Sanders in Nashville, Tennessee. Isaiah, how have things been going for you? Oh, going pretty well. Um, You know, Titans Titans fans out here are excited, thinking they're going to make another playoff run now that they've signed. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So great to see this just optimism that's going to lead nowhere here in Nashville. Yeah. Uh, there's just absolutely no way. I mean, <laughs> I thought it was funny that he said he wanted to go to a contender and then here we are. Um, he goes and to the good Titans. quarterback play was also good quarterback play. Uh, Ryan Tannehill and a rookie um, who. Let's face it, I don't know what I'll hill amount to in the league, but we're gonna find out sooner rather than later. Uh with that, you know, let's let's go ahead and hop into it. Uh a lot to talk about. A lot has happened since we last um recorded. A lot of contracts have been signed. Some players have held out from training camp that has now started. And then of course, some players have found teams in free agency, and let's go ahead and lead with that. DeAndre Hopkins, uh, a lot of Chiefs fans were hoping that there would be some type of way that he would make his way onto the Chiefs roster pre-training camp. Um, that was just not to be. I never really was a fan of that, uh, nor did I really see a way in which the Chiefs made that happen. Um, but it was pretty much between... Three or four teams, the way I see it. I think it was between Buffalo, Kansas City, Tennessee, and New England. And I think he probably went to the destination that most Chiefs fans are probably happy with. Um, that or New England, where they, they would have been totally irrelevant. Um, but curious to get your thoughts there on uh, another wide receiver, you know, going to Tennessee to die. Well, it certainly seems that while DeAndre Hopkins said his priorities were um, a contending team and good quarterback play, uh, his real priority was how much guaranteed money could he get? Because um, that $12 million into next year, I don't think he was getting from Kansas City or Buffalo. And so, well, obviously, those two teams probably gave him the best com- chance to compete for a Super Bowl. Um, that's, you know we'll call it probably $7 million difference between what Kansas City or Buffalo could have given him to what Tennessee gave him. And then he probably just liked Ryan Tannehill a little bit better than uh, Mac Jones. So, um, yeah. but as far as just the fit with Tennessee, um, he, he walks in and is their number one wide receiver. Um, I think there was content out there that Mike Vrabel, um, was a member of the Titans currently that had the most touchdown catches and the man played linebacker. <laughs> so that tells you about their receiver experience. Uh, Traylon Burks will be the number two now. And so that'll at least give the the now second year player a chance to develop and not have to get a majority of the targets. Um, so if anything, it will be good for um, Traylon and potentially good for Will Levis, not that I think anything can uh, lead to Will Levis having a success, successful NFL career, but having 
a reliable target in DeAndre Hopkins would at least uh, not leave him out there to die. So, I mean, uh, good tip for Tennessee. The AFC South is it's one of the worst divisions. Um, I think Jacksonville should be able to dominate, but um, I could easily see Tennessee with that defense and Mike Vrabel still pushing for seven to ten wins. Yeah, that that's one of those divisions where it's kind of up for grabs. You got two rookie quarterbacks that are going to be starting in Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud. Then you have uh, the returning division winner, Trevor Lawrence, and then you have uh, Tannehill, which if he goes down with injury or he is not playing well, I wonder how long they'll hold on uh, before they go to Will Levis. But, yeah, Tennessee, they're one of those teams they just find a way to make things difficult. They're never completely out of it because of the coaching and the defense, and not to mention Derrick Henry. Um, who is the workhorse of that team. And speaking of Derrick Henry and speaking of running backs, uh, Isaiah, running backs are a little ticked off in the league that they're not getting paid um, these second contracts uh, for their performance. Most notably, Saquon Barkley sat out Giants part of Giants camp and then signed for like, what, $2 million more million than he would have got or something like that. Um, Austin Eckler as well with the Los Angeles Chargers. He doesn't put up huge rushing numbers, but he is a threat out of the backfield as a receiver. Um, what is it with the NFL currently that the running backs are not understanding that um, they're not going to get top dollar like they used to, like with backs like Adrian Peterson and um, some of the guys of yesteryear? Yeah, the I mean the NFL has changed to a passing league, um, and so especially with a guy like Saquon, who has you know when he's healthy has been productive, but he's also missed a lot of time to injury, um, and so that and that's just a general risk at the running back position. Uh, they're at much higher risk for injury than other positions. They'll miss more games than other positions. Um, and so knowing that that's not necessarily a reliable position leads to these uh, uh, contract disputes, guys holding out. Um, and then you have a guy like Christian McCaffrey who comes in at, you know, 15, 16 million, but he's such a weapon in the passing game. And even he has dealt with injuries. And so obviously teams are hesitant to guarantee money, especially in the future years with these running backs because of that risk. And knowing that a team like Kansas City can go in the seventh round and get a guy like Isaiah Pacheco, um, there's simply too many backs that can be productive that you don't have to pay 10 to $12 million for. Now, you know, if you have a guy like Austin Eckler, to me, he's worth it as far as paying that top dollar because, I mean, the dude had over 100 targets last year. Like, he's clearly a factor in the passing game. So when a bat can be a factor in the running game and passing game, be split out like that, um, be used as truly a weapon and not just a between-the-tackles guy, I think those guys should get paid. But even then, you know, you're looking at a steep decline starting at age 29, basically, 
um, and almost guaranteed at age 30 that their production is going to fall off a cliff. And, and so, I mean, that's why we're that's why we're seeing these holdouts, especially with Jacobs and Saquon, knowing like, hey, this is my last chance to get a good second contract um, before my play starts to go downhill. Yeah, and quite frankly, uh, forgot about Josh Jacobs there, but he's also well, you're right, another one that has held out, led the league in rushing. Um, did he not last year, or am I thinking of Jonathan Taylor? Yeah. Um, no, Josh Jacobs. Yep. Yeah, I mean he's good back, but the times have changed, and as far as I'm concerned, the only guy who's worth paying that kind of money at this very point in time is Derrick Henry, just because he is a monster of a man and has proven <laughs> year after year that he cannot be stopped. Um, but yeah, I just think that the league, you mentioned it, the league has changed so much in just the last decade. Um, you know, there was a point in time where throwing the ball for 300 yards was considered a good passing game. Now I would say that is an average passing game in the NFL for some quarterbacks. Um, it's just changed so much with how offenses operate. Um, and and kind of going along with that, we had some guys get locked up on long-term deals, most notably in our own division, Justin Herbert inked a five-year, $260 million-plus deal to be the quarterback of the Los Angeles Chargers, which, good for them, I suppose, it still remains to be seen um, what he will become. There's no doubt he's a fantastic arm talent, um, but he just hasn't won anything, and I think that's a combination of his coach. But at some point, you also have to look at him and the play that he is exhibiting on the field. He was tremendous in that first half against Jacksonville um, in the playoffs. And then the second half, I mean, just disappeared. Um, and the defense, of course, did not help him, but Justin Herbert still, I, I, I think is one of those guys that if he gets a head coach in there and a halfway decent defense, he's going to challenge the chiefs in the long run. And we see it year after year, you know, these chiefs chargers games are not blowouts. They are like down to the final possession, pretty much every game. Um, and I think that if, their defense, and if their coach figure it out, uh, they will be a force to be reckoned with in the division. Oh, no doubt about it. And this is a team that went and drafted Quentin Johnston, so adding a weapon in the past game, smart to do, especially with the injury history of Mike Williams and Keenan Allen these past couple of years. So getting another guy in there was huge. Um, and Quentin should be a threat. Um, to really stretch the field for Los Angeles and Justin Herbert. Um, and obviously, the Chargers had to lock up Herbert. Made complete and total sense. Um, no no issue with the contract whatsoever. He deserves every penny. And I would hold uh, the Chargers organization itself more responsible for how uh, the start to his career is going, and I would Justin, um, A, the Chargers injury bug that seems to bite them every single year, you know, losing their left tackle last year, having, you know, issues with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, uh, Brian Staley, you know, not necessarily managing Mike Williams' injury very well by playing him 
in a meaningless game uh, at the end of last year. And then having that gigantic lead uh, against Jacksonville and blowing that, like that was an inexcusable lead to blow, like just better game management and they can win that game. Um, so, and obviously they fired their offensive coordinator this past year. Um, moving on, he was a former, he was a former guy with the saints and they move on to Kellen Moore, um, to take over play calling there in Los Angeles. And, um, he was let go by Dallas for trying to quote score too many points. Um, as Mike McCarthy said, and so I would expect uh, Los Angeles to be more of a vertical threat, especially with the addition of Quentin Johnson. We could see a huge year from Mike Williams if he can stay on the field, as he's a true big play down the field receiver. Um, so I'm excited to see what they can do. A um, little bit terrified because uh, that even when um, the past couple of years. The Chargers haven't been great in other facets. They always seem to play the Chiefs hard. And so yep. it'll be interesting. Yeah, those those two games, first the Chargers, I mean, the last three years, have they have come down right to either overtime or the final seconds of the game. It's been some great football, and thankfully the Chiefs have come out on top more often than not there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was sure looking like the Chargers were going to be coming into Arrowhead in that uh, divisional round game. Um, and who knows what happens if if the Chargers do come into Arrowhead. They've won there before. Um, moving on now, I mean, Chiefs training camp's underway. Everyone's there except for one notable player, and that is all-pro defensive tackle Chris Jones. Uh, has not reported to camp as of today. August 2nd, still no sign of him, getting fined $50,000 a day. Uh, that must be nice to not have to worry about that kind of money. Um, but he wants a new deal. He wants to be paid the way I take it, like Aaron Donald, which I believe Aaron Donald is still the highest paid uh, defensive lineman in the league, although his production last year did drop off from previous years. He's still a very good player. Um, what do you think about Chris Jones wanting possibly somewhere in the, in the neighborhood of $30 million a year? Um, and what that means for his future with this team? I think they're going to find a way to get that deal done. I think Chris Jones will get that 30 million a year. Um, I imagine they're trying to figure out how to work that in, um, planning out some other contracts right now as they look at Chris Jones contracts, um, because like they were able to trade Tyree kill because they had Travis Kelsey. Um, Tyree was expendable because of the weapon that Travis Kelsey is because of the quarterback that Pat Mahomes is. On the defensive side of the ball, we do not have another true blue-chip guy. Like, you could argue that Nick Bolden is kind of working his way towards, like, elite player. 
Um, but even he, he, you know, he plays linebacker. Like, um, he's not as valuable as an interior or exterior pass rusher is going to be. And so the way Chris Jones changes the game, and we saw in the playoffs, we saw him take over basically against Cincinnati, um, take over that game, force Joe Burrow into havoc. Um, so I just think he changes too much about this defense. The rest of the defense is very young. And so to have a leader like him, to have someone that gets consistent pressure, you know, he finished third in defense play of the year voting last year, 15 and a half sacks, um, an interior D-line position tends to age pretty well. And so I would not be hesitant about giving him that contract. Yeah. I'm not all too sure what the chiefs defense would look like without him. He's such a big focal point for opposing offensive lines. Um, and that I really think he opens things up for other guys and allows Nick Bolton and Willie Gay uh, to play the way that they do, just so ultra-aggressive. Um, and without that, I mean, who knows what we're looking at as far as defense. I think they do find a way to get it done, and I'd be willing to bet that it's probably going to occur here pretty soon if it's going to happen. Um, now, keep in mind, of course, no deal may be reached. Um, he still has a, a contract for this year, uh, but this would be for the future and kind of, I guess, overriding the current deal and giving him more guaranteed money. So he theoretically still could sit out an entire year if he wanted to, I suppose, but I don't think that'd be a good idea on his part. So we'll see what happens there. But other news in Chiefs camp, Isaiah, just seeing what's happened so far, the fact that we're getting close to that first preseason game, um, I'll tell you, there's there's a couple of guys on the offensive side of the ball that have been sticking out to me and what I've seen so far just on social media and through the media in general, and that is um, the running back, undrafted running back out of Tulsa, uh, Denoric Prince, who you mentioned that running backs are kind of a dime a dozen, right? Where uh, the Chiefs can find someone like Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh round, plug him in, and he'll work. They got Jarek McKinnon, who the guy's making like $2 million or something like that. Plug him in, and he'll work. Denark Prince uh, has been looking very nice in camp, not saying that he's going to – he's certainly not going to challenge McKinnon or Pacheco for their positions. But Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who is already on his way out of town, in my opinion um, – Better watch out because if this guy can catch the ball, he will, if he can catch and he can block halfway decent, he will take Clyde's spot. And uh, the Chiefs may not have any other chance but to part ways with or they'll certainly try to trade before they do that. Um, and the other guy, he was out all last year with a back injury. Uh, wide receiver yes. out of Clemson, Justin Ross. Uh, Oh boy. I'm not usually one to buy into the camp hype, but I've seen the videos. I've seen some of the catches he's made. Um, if he stays healthy and Patrick Mahomes really likes this guy. So that, that goes, that goes a long way. 
if he's healthy and he can work his way into this offense, I'm not saying he'll have a tremendous impact, but he gives the Chiefs another option outside of just Travis Kelsey because, I mean, in the wide receiver position, I believe this is the year that we're going to see someone assert themselves as being a number one. I'm not buying what the organization is selling about Kadarius Tony being a number one because the guy can't stay healthy. We've already seen it. Uh, MVS is certainly not a number one. MVS is what he is at this point in his career. So someone is someone, whether it's Sky Moore, Rashid Rice, who also looks phenomenal. Maybe it's Kadarius Tony. Who knows? Someone is going to assert themselves as this team's number one at the wide receiver position. Well, I certainly hope it's uh, Rashi Rice um, or Tony, I would say, because I definitely don't see it with Sky Moore either. It's too small. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm buying any, any Justin Ross stock at this point. Um, but we'll see. Crazier things have happened. Yeah, I mean, we're just... Just about a month away from the uh, the banner unveiling at Arrowhead Stadium. Um, and the Chiefs will be kicking things off against the Lions. So between now and then, the roster will be constructed and, and we'll see what we got. Um, you got anything else to touch on regarding Chiefs training camp? Well, I was excited to hear about Benedict Prince being a uh, dynasty owner in him. <laughs> so glad to hear he's showing some things at Chiefs training camp. Um, I'm just excited to see how the secondary develops um, throughout training camp. You know, another year together, we played, rookies played a lot of snaps last year. And so I'm excited to see how they develop more um, going into this year. And then, um, you know, another, another new uh, backup quarterback. Uh, we brought we brought the hometown kid back, uh, Blaine Gabbert, yep. as the backup quarterback. So I'm sure Mizzou fans love to see him in Kansas City. Uh, but yeah, that, that's all I've got on Chiefs training camp. Before we get to the final play, there's actually two things I want to cover. Number one is I'm sure you've seen it by now. The um the Iowa State quarterback as well as a kicker for the University of Iowa as well as a Denver Broncos defensive lineman all got in trouble in the past couple of days for sports betting on their own teams while they were a part of them. Oh boy. Yes. And I do believe that the quarterback for Iowa State, um, I, I need to actually look at this real quick. I'm not sure if he was the starter. Um, oh, man. But either Hopefully way. he was betting to win at least. <laughs> I mean, yeah, come on. Either way, what are your thoughts as, as sports gambling becomes more and more legal and you know gets passed in more states? What are your thoughts on players now getting in trouble? It's one thing to bet uh, just on, you know, 
a sport that you're not playing, it's an entirely different thing to bet on a game that you are actively a part of as well as one that is in the same league as you. So what are your thoughts on, you know, how essentially, I guess, how can this be prevented moving forward to assure fans that results of some of the games that we're getting are authentic? Well, it's going to have to continue to be, you know, like the suspensions that have been handed out, like Calvin Ridley getting banned for, for a year. Um, in college football, you know, that's going to, you know, they'll probably take him off scholarship or take him off NI, if there's like an NIL associated with the player. I imagine they'd have to strip him of that. Um, just it's going to have to be these seemingly – I wouldn't even call them harsh, like just punishments because the integrity is so important. Um, knowing that what you're watching is authentic and that it's not being tampered with. And it's crazy. Like, I mean, college kids, it's one thing, but even some of them are making a lot of money now with the NIL. Look, these NFL players are putting down, you know, a thousand, couple thousand bucks when, you know, even. You know, Isaiah Rogers, I don't know what his contract was, but I think it was like a couple million. Like, he's clearly just doing it for the thrill of betting. Um, same thing with Calvin Ridley. And so just educating these players, like, hey, if you're going to do this, it has to be on, you know, either on college football um, or like the NBA. And it can't be ever while you're at your job. Yep. Whenever you're at, the, whenever it has to be within the confines of your own home, like can't do it while you're traveling with the team, can't do it while you're at the facility. Just don't mess with it. Um, that has to be the education. And so, I mean, you know, how pissed would the players be if they found out the refs were betting oh, on games? Yeah. Like, give them that same mindset of like. You don't want anyone tampering with your on-the-field results, so don't give people the idea that you could be doing the same thing. Definitely. Couldn't have said it better there. Uh, <laughs> the second thing <laughs> that I got to bring up, I can't cut that out now because of when it happens, so that's going to have to stay in there. That'll be great. Um, the, the second thing we got to address here, you mentioned that you are a fantasy football dynasty owner of Denark Prince. I got to ask what you were thinking when you drafted the quarterback class of Kyler Murray, Sam Howell, and Geno Smith. First off, I believe it's Jordan Love. Not oh, Sam excuse Howell. me. Um, Same thing. But... As was stated in the league chat, Gino was an accidental pick. That was supposed to be Kenny Pickett. Uh, that was a misclick <laughs> that the league decided to not let me take back. Um, so it should have been Kenny Pickett. But we're moving on with Gino Smith. And Kyler, the motivation there was he was, he was the last guy that had the potential to put up elite numbers. And with it being a dynasty league, that was a pick looking towards next year, really. Slash a possible playoff run for the squad. Not that I'm optimistic. We're kind of, we're, we're 
we're thinking about making some trades and tanking for Caleb Williams or Marvin Harrison Jr. So we'll see. Oh man. Well, that'll that'll be fun. That league will be fun. And uh, with that is, so, of course, time to get to. I want the, uh, I want the listeners to know that this man took defense in like the seventh round of a you know thirty round fantasy draft. Okay, you know what? I took the Philadelphia Eagles defense, which is the best in the league. Okay, they're gonna you you're gonna eat crow here middle of the season. I'm telling you that right now. Uh, it's time for the final play. I will not take this slander on my very own podcast from my co-host. Uh, the final play this week. So this was a couple weeks ago, but I'm just now bringing it to light. So the Open Championship. I'm not a big golf guy. The Open Championship occurred in Scotland a couple weeks ago. And uh, Brian Hartman won the open championship. It was brought to my attention that there was a golf waggle cam on Brian Hartman's golf swing. Every time he stepped up to the tee, he'd wag the golf club back and forth. And there was a counter on the screen. This man for the entire tournament had about 5,000 waggles. It's like, man, just get up there and hit the ball. You know what I mean? Like take a practice swing, you know, look, Get back up there, another practice swing. You don't need to sit there and waggle your club for uh, five minutes straight beforehand. But nonetheless, I digress. I got to get back and address this slander that I took about taking the Philadelphia Eagles defense in the seventh round of the fantasy football draft. You know what? All I got to say before we end this podcast is that defense wins championships. And uh, not in the Super Bowl, gave up 38 points. <laughs> That's true, but they're going to win the de- they're going to win the thing for me in week 15. That's all I got to say. I'm out of here.